0: Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm your host, Sal Trudonado. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a company run by Joe Ross, former Army fullback, former Army assistant coach, former Army officer. We appreciate Higher Echelon um, sponsoring this podcast. And we have Steve Anderson, co-host here tonight, with a special guest, uh, former Army linebacker, played in the 80s, Troy Lindley. Troy, thanks so much for joining us. It's my pleasure.
1: Troy, if we can um, go ahead and start and just kind of tell us kind of your path from, you know, high school, what positions you played in high school football and then what did, you know, first off, who recruited you? Who's like kind of the, the face of Army football for you and what they told you about the academy and, and what your knowledge of it? And just kind of tell us how you ended up
2: uh, on our day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd be happy to, Steve. I went to a small Catholic school in East Central, Illinois and played fullback and in linebacker there and uh, was having some success and first heard from Army in my junior junior year. And uh, Dick Dollahan, uh was recruiting me. He had been a very successful high school coach in Indiana, and he was on the staff uh, at Army. And I remember getting a, a big thick envelope from Army and I wanted me to fill on all this stuff. And, you know, look, I was a, I was kind of a cocky high school athlete and I was hearing from a lot of other schools and I looked at that and I didn't know anything about Army. I thought, why in the hell do I want to fill all this stuff out? And so I just kind of set it off to the side. And frankly, I didn't think anything about it. And it was having quite a bit of attention from some um, Big Ten schools and some Mac schools. And then halfway through my senior season, I broke my collarbone in half. I ended up only playing four games my senior year, and uh, a lot of those uh, scholarship offers were turning into walk-on offers, and uh, I was a tweener for my size. And uh, I then I, I heard from Army, I think it was like in January, or February of my senior year, sitting in study hall, and, my coach came in, sat down and said, hey, and thought anybody about playing football for Army. I thought, what are you talking about? He said, well, if you're interested in playing football Army, let me know, and the coach will call you at home this evening. I thought, sure, I'll talk to him. I'd, I'd signed a letter of intent with the school in Kansas, and, uh, but I, I wanted to play Division One football, and uh, uh, I wasn't going to walk on anywhere because my folks had said they wanted me to go to college but they weren't going to hell. And so it was up to me to make my way and uh so this was on a i think a monday night steve and i heard from um greg gregory uh, who was uh on the offensive staff there and he wanted to know how that packet was going that they sent me how, how i was progressing along with that and i would tell him my hey, coach i'm i'm working on it i'm just thinking i'm gonna work on finding it and he goes well what about your congressmen? have they and have, uh, have they has their committee met to see if I get nominations to the academy? And I said, I, I have no idea. He goes, Why don't you call them tomorrow when you've got a break in class and find out if you're on their list or if their committee has even met yet? And I said, Sure, coach, I'll I'll do that. So I I called a knowing full. Well, I wasn't gonna be on the list. I'd not submitted anything. And he called me back on Wednesday. Or I, he called me back Tuesday evening. So well, did you talk to your congressman's office? I said, Yeah, they're, they're con- I did talk to their office. They the committee's met, and I'm not on the list. He said, Well, you, you just keep working on your end, and we'll work on our end. And then Friday in the mail, I had a letter from my congressman's office saying, Congratulations on the nomination, Westport. <laughs> and so I thought, Well, I think this this might work out. And uh, so I went ahead and got. Get, did get the rest of the application and everything else completed. Uh, and then um, coach asked me if I thought about going to the prep school. So we don't, you know, we don't redshirt here at the academy. So we use the prep school as a as a way to help give guys a year to grow and mature and that. And I said, well, does it cost anything? Because like I said, i have to pay my own way. And he said, no, actually, you get paid. You get paid more there than you do going to West Point. But that's that's right. even better. Yeah. Know, and so I, uh, I, I went to the prep school, which was probably, I look back, you know, that was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Uh, because it really set me up for success going on to the academy. And I don't know, candidly, if I had the maturity uh, to have made it going straight to the academy. Yeah, well, I, could I, think I, I would have, but I don't know.
1: I think that's uh I, I think that's definitely an important thing. Like they you know they talk about it as a as a as their you know redshirt year, but more than anything, uh, it's a year to mature, right? Like a, as a as an adult, um, I, I feel the same way, Troy. I think if I would have gone to West Point directly, I feel like I would have not given it probably the full um, attention that it deserved. I probably would have looked for ways to get out or just you know said so this isn't this it was it was a very good bridge uh you know almost like how we use it for you know active duty soldiers that want to be officers a great bridge to, to go to school uh, especially in your case Troy with a broken collarbone in your senior year i'm sure you felt like that's a great opportunity for you to put that completely behind you and get back to 100% before you show up for the on the big stage um, I, I do have a question about your application. Uh, I don't know when they changed it, so I, I, I'd be curious to find out. What is it, did you have to throw, like, a basketball from your knees on the basketball court or anything like that? All right, so we, did the, we probably did the same application. Okay. So, um, yeah. I, I never had to call a congressman. I just found out, you know, they just told me hey, you got a presidential nomination, you're good to go. And I was like, yeah. I, I don't even know what I did there, but yeah, uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool that yeah, – it, it's got to make you kind of feel uh, uh, good and, and, and kind of gain trust in that coaching staff, though, where you call on a Tuesday and they're like, yeah, you're, you're not on the list. And then in three days' time, they're saying, hey – Congratulations on your nomination to – it's got to make you feel like, man, they really want me or – you know, this is a this is an organization that gets things done.
2: I did – yes, that's exactly how I felt. I will tell you, though, that those feelings were – they didn't have a long lifetime, though. Um, right. We, we got to the academy – or I got to the prep school, and um, that was Coach Young's second season, and he, he decided to, to transition – to the wishbone and all the kids, offensive players he'd recruited uh, were for were pro style offense and that's, you know, so we had these guys running, trying to uh, run the wishbone down at the prep school and uh, it wasn't working out. We were, we were not good. Um, I, uh, my knee uh, blew up with bursitis uh, down there and, and uh, ended up missing a couple games. So it was a frustrating season. But like you described, you know, I had I think must have had two or three dates circled on the calendar when I was going to resign. You know, oh yeah, and come home. And uh, but you know, just the whole the whole experience and the and the, the brotherhood that I started to develop down there um, it, is what kept me there. And uh, then when you know we got on we uh, you know went on to West Point, you know where I said, you know, that that trust I had in the coaching staff wasn't wasn't real long. Uh, didn't have a long night time. um there, there was three of us linebackers that came from the prep school in my class, uh, myself, Greg Yadson, and Al Badger. And everyone knows Greg. OK, Al Badger was a stud. I mean, he was uh, we all three played inside uh, at the prep school. And uh, when we got into our uh, uh, when we we got into our football linebacker room, there was fifteen of us for two positions, and I was at the top of the depth chart in one of them. Oh, and then they came in and pulled Greg out and said, "Greg, you're not you're not in here. You're going over to the A man room." Uh, and then I was at the bottom of the other position, so I was in the, number one. I was number fifteen. I thought, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and Bob Sutton. Uh, was our uh, linebacker coach at the time, and so you you're probably familiar with with Coach Sutton. But um, yeah, so that's how I that's how I got to uh, got the West Point side, Steve. Yeah. What was um
1: who were the core group of guys at prep school that kind of carried you through your two or three dates that you had circled? Um, you know, at when you were going to resign out of the prep school, and then were you able to keep? You know. Were you able to keep those relationships throughout West Point?
2: Um. You know, I would, one of the things, uh, you know, you, we always talk a lot about the Army Brotherhood, and um, it is so real. You know, I graduated in 89, what are we, 33 years later, and those are still some of my closest relationships. You know, they're still two of my best friends. Um, and I think about, first, I think about, you know, all the army football players, you know, whenever we see an army football player, there's automatically that brotherhood. You know that, Steve. And then I think about, you know, my teammates on that 88 team, my senior senior team. And then I think about my classmates in that class, but Greg Gadsden and Chuck Strutsman, you know, uh, those are two of my closest friends. And when we started the prep school, there were 64 of us on the team. I think about half of us then went the academy next year to play football at the end of those five years it was just the three of us remain. wow chuck greg and myself from the prep school wow we're the only ones that made it all the way through thank god
1: <laughs> thank god we don't have that attrition rate still yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah no and you were you guys were down at uh fort monmouth right yeah yeah that, that was a that was one heck of a year uh uh, to just experience as uh, taking home eight hundred dollars a month like
2: what am i doing with all this yeah being a short train ride from the middle of manhattan to you know the jersey yeah. shore it Yep, was, it was a different experience i'm sure than what they have now
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean they still can just go to garrison and take grand central you know take the garrison train all the way to grand central they still have that so mm-hmm. I mean, nineteen-year-olds though in New York City ain't getting—you're not know, doing much. Jersey Shore back in the you know early two thousands was pretty pretty popular.
2: Oh, uh, <laughs> I was there in the mid eighties. You know, yeah. When Springsteen came out "Born in America." We'd go down to the Stone Pony, and he might show up. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome.
0: That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, talk to us, Troy, a little bit about your. Like you said, you the depth chart early on in your career. Talk about how, how you work your way up the depth chart and what it took to work your way up the depth chart.
2: I think uh, I think it's just persistence and uh, resilience, and you know you're not going to quit. You know, I, I I remember when I was playing in youth football, uh, and I think I was in sixth grade, and. I just, I really wasn't enjoying it. It wasn't like the way that we were being coached. And I told my dad, I came home one night from practice, I said, I'm going to quit. He's like, No, you're not. You don't have to play next season, but you're not quitting. You're seeing this through. And uh, it taught me a lesson because, you know, once you quit the first time, it's a lot easier to quit the second time. And so I just, you know, they were going to have to throw me off the team. So, I wasn't, I wasn't going to stop playing. And I just, um, after my freshman year, we got a new middle line, inside linebacker coach who had been coaching the outside linebackers coach, Jay Robertson, who I'm still close with to this day. And uh, we used to live in Indianapolis for a number of years and Jay and his wife, Kathy are there. And we'd always have them over for dinner. whenever we had anything going on at the house. Um, but I, I used to get so frustrated because I felt like I was, I felt like I was playing better than the folks in front of me. Uh, and I talked to the coach about it. And he's like, you know, Troy, because there's some, some folks that they've got to prove that they can. not And there's other folks that have to prove that they can. And you just happen to be one of those <laughs> that have to prove they can. It's like, oh, well, now I know where I stand.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think the first time, i heard the term and i use it all the time now especially still active in the army but you know being committed physically spiritually emotionally and mentally right so having all four how having all four of those it really didn't hit me until ranger school where all four of those pillars like how i felt the importance of all four of those pillars um you know especially spiritually uh but like the first time i heard hey what it takes to play army football is you have to be dedicated physically mentally emotionally and spiritually and um you know you you can talk about it mentally or spiritually but that that i will not quit mentality that spirit inside of you that keeps you fighting in the books to understand the playbook uh, on the field to get extra reps when everybody else goes in for showers or you know getting out there early to, to make sure you're warmed up before warm-ups all those all that kind of stuff that you hear about all the great athletes talk about you don't really um, you don't really appreciate until you're at that spot on the depth chart where you're like okay I'm one of the you know at least coach told me I'm one of the guys that has to prove it so uh, you know it won't be on anybody else to know that i'm showing up every single day uh they're gonna see that at least um and i think you know when you talk about you know it gets easier every time you quit you know if you quit once quit twice you know it's it's almost infectious contagious so um definitely something similar my dad told me at the prep school uh when i got in trouble after a great prep school season i got in trouble uh, for underage drinking and i was like dude i'm out of here like everybody around the Every freshman in college is drinking, okay, so why am I now basically grounded for three and a half months? Like, I couldn't leave my room. I could only go to the gym and eat food and go to school, and uh, my dad was just like, well, you weren't going to quit before you got in trouble, so do you want to quit because you got in trouble, or do you want to yeah. quit because you don't want to be there
2: anymore, you know? Are you, run- are you running from something?
1: Right. Are you running and
2: the- to something? Yeah.
1: And uh, another thing he said is, like, that's weird because you haven't quit anything in your life up until this point. And I, he was like, you sure you want to start now? And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, you're just venting, aren't you? And I was like, yeah. He was like, that's fine. He's like, but yeah. you're you're not coming home until you graduate. <laughs> so, uh,
2: you're so You're so true about those four pillars, you know. It's, just, it's about having that resilience. And that's, yeah, that's probably the thing that um, one of the biggest things that I took away that has carried me through through my life is that resilience.
1: Yeah, a lot of people talk resilience and grit, right? They kind of use that synonymously so as far as like you hear some of the, you know, some of my star majors we're talking, will talk about grit, um, just having grit. Um, and that's from anything like, oh man, it's super rainy and stormy during PT hours. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to, are you going to still work out like with the team or? You're gonna say, ah, well, today's not really worth it. Let's do something else inside, right?" Like having that grit to, to continue to push through. So, um, yeah, I I, I think uh, I think most Army football players have two to three uh, what do you call it, uh, refrat or uh, or <laughs> dates that they were going to leave every year at the academy, you know. So, uh, but like you said, you know, I, I'd love to hear from Chuck. I know, I know, uh, I, I, he's, I mean i've I've been following Chuck and I've talked to Chuck several times i and mean, he is talked about um, just a great man uh and, and talk about resilience um so uh but yeah having Chuck and uh, greg as uh as your battle buddies, I'm sure there' was no time for slacking at any point <laughs> throughout your time there
2: Oh I can tell you some stories
0: <laughs> go ahead go ahead.
2: Uh. I like I like it's funny I, I look at greg now because greg's a big guy he was if you look at his pictures when he was playing he was no he were near the size that he is now and that that guy used to hate to go in the weight room he, he was he was like allergic to the weight room <laughs> but we got him in there and chuck chuck would get him in there and uh i could tell some stories about chuck too but <laughs> yeah, we're no no one's watching. I can I'll tell them right, right, Sam. We were down at Fort Jackson in the summer uh, before our junior season, uh, doing what was called CTLT. I'm not sure if they have that, or no, it's DCP, DCP, where we're in a drill cadet program, and uh, we're living down there in the barracks. And man, Fort Jackson in the summertime, hot uh humid and that's where we got introduced to uh chicken wings and this, this lieutenant down there that was that was uh taking us around kind of us to this chicken wing place and we'd stay out too late eat chicken wings and drinking beer in down there in columbia uh south carolina and then have to get up run pt in that south carolina sun and start sweating chicken grease it's tough well, Chuck was Chuck was down there. He was he was part of our group, and there was uh, one of the nights we stayed out kind of late. And the next morning, Chuck was having a little trouble getting out, getting out of the rack. And I went downstairs, and the and the trainees were they were forming up. I went back up. I said, "Chuck, man, you need to get some respect for yourself. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> and he that and that has stayed with us now ever since then we still use that get some respect for yourself you he, he talk to chuck's kids and they'll tell you the same thing because he's used it on them it's great
0: that's awesome um you know just um uh both um chuck and greg right have been dealt some adversity right Troy. And I I think I remember uh, being up at an army football club golf outing and uh, you, um, I think I remember seeing you there with Greg close by and just be, you know, like you said, that friendship that was born in army prep, this is probably say 10 years ago, maybe or so. And I just remember thinking about how strong that bond was between you and Greg. And I thought I knew a little bit about you and Chuck also, but like you said, that, like I said, they've been dealt a little bit of adversity, but those guys are 100% um, the fighting spirit between those guys, right? is yeah. is, is is unmatched, really. It's yeah. unmatched. I remember writing a story on Chuck Schretsman about the speech that he gave the Army football team. I think it was the year after they went 2-10. I could be wrong uh, under Jeff Munkin. I could be wrong. I believe it was that year where he gave a speech to the Army football team at the football banquet, and I'm like, holy cow. I mean, this is um, the fighting spirit that – Both of those guys have i mean maybe you can um talk a little bit about
2: that well i i can tell you that um after greg was injured uh you know we chuck and i had made a vow that we're going to get him up uh to the golf outing that july you know just two months after you've been injured that was our goal was to get him up there and, and we got him there um and it was great. We had a bunch of other teammates that showed up that that year for the golf outing. Uh, we're all just so happy to have have Greg with us because we thought we were going to lose him. Um, and, and now, he, as you talked about with Chuck, just man the uh, the fight uh, that he's uh, that he's putting forth here in this battle for his life, and uh, you know just the um, the example. You know he's setting for all of us. You know for his family, and I uh, know um, that Chloe and Zach and Olivia and Stacy, his wife, are all very proud of him as the rest of us are.
0: I saw the clip. Um, what was it earlier this baseball season? I think where he was inside the Phillies um, clubhouse, yeah. and 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 there was a, I think his wife gave a little bit of a, a a talk to the to the Phillies, and just to have that. You know, it, it's, it's more than just football, right? It's more than just professional sports with that, right? I mean, it's just, it's human, it's humankind, it's humanity, right? And just to have that. I mean, I, I watched that YouTube. Um, I had it on a repeat just listening to, to how powerful it could be, you know? And I just look at, man, that like, like, like we talked about, your bond with those guys is forever. You guys still that the saying you know the, the chicken wing story will probably it lives on and on and on even on the Black Knight Nation podcast right and I'm sure you share a lot of football memories too with those guys right I mean Troy you were the captain one of the captains of the 1988 team the stumble, uh, stumble team and I think that that team some sometimes in Army history you know might get a little bit overshadowed for some reason, but I, I was just you know looking at what you guys were we, able to do. Nine we and didn't a
2: game. Maybe if we won a bowl game, we'd be more remembered.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that was Derek Thomas in uh, Alabama, right? I mean, yeah, so that yeah. was he, like –
2: Yeah, I think he blocked the field goal
1: with two extra points, so he got me by one point. I, got, I mean, that guy – it was Derek Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> if he wanted to block field goals, he probably should have. <laughs> yeah.
0: One of my favorite football players of all time is Derek Thomas. We all do respect, Steve. We all do respect. Steve.
1: Yeah, I know. He's, he's incredible. But Troy, you know, you talk about uh, the bond. What what are some of the the memories? You know, I, I know we just brought up the, the, the loss of the bowl game. But what are some of the memories and then kind of like the feeling, uh, the culture of the team while you were there as far as like the big games won and then what it was like in the locker room you know, post game and and share some of those stories about
2: just what it meant to to win at at Army football. I'll do my best with that, Steve. Because I, I joke with some friends. I think you know because I, I, have classmates and even you know, friends from my company tell stories about when we were at West Point together. And I have to ask, them, I say, was I there for that? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no recollection. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, (laughs) I wish I was joking about that, but there's a lot of stuff like that I just don't remember. I I think about, um, I think about how disappointed we were our junior season, how the team just didn't perform well. We had a lot of injuries, uh, not to make excuses, but you know, it was another one of those seasons where I think we went through four or five quarterbacks. um, And we just, we didn't, but we didn't play well. We didn't play up to our standards. And I remember that uh, at that VS, uh, VST, I'm not sure if that's what they still call it, but where football players came in early from their summer before, before we started camp for some conditioning and just some bonding, and we had some meetings uh, every night. And, uh, you know, the seniors, my, my classmates, we just really laid that out there that, you know, what the expectation was going to be for the season, you know, how we were, we were going to play how disciplined we were going to be and how physical we were going to be. And uh, I, I just remember that sense of commitment that we had for that 88 team. And um, uh, remember the first game we went out to Washington. And we should have beat those guys. <laughs> we, we, I thought we had them beat. Um, and uh, it, we had a late turnover. And, uh, and Washington held on to beat us and we came back and, and beat Northwestern. Uh, but you know what's funny is is I tend to remember the losses a lot more than the wins. Okay. You know, I always think about man if we'd only done this, if I'd only done that. And uh, we we played uh, uh coincidentally, you know they had that game in Ireland this weekend with Northwestern Nebraska a the uh, 88 team played in Ireland uh, in the Emerald Isle Classic, they called it at the time, against Boston College. And we were 21 point favorites against BC. And uh, we went over there and spent the week uh, in Dublin and pretty much stayed, when we were practicing, we were in the hotel doing, having meetings or have our uh, tutors over there and taking our classes during the week. And the whole time we were reading in the newspapers the BC players were out on the town and they were having a blast and they were just really having a great experience over there. And it was a business trip for us. And we went out on Saturday and played like shit and they kicked our ass. And it, it was, and again, we were 21 point favorites. And and, and uh, that, those are things I remember, you know? I don't remember about the great players or the wins I, th- I think about those, those missed opportunities and uh but a lesson that we learned from it Steve is when it was time for a bowl game uh Coach Young asked Chris Despito and myself Chris was a, a leader, the other co-captain um, what what we wanted to do about curfews for the week when we were in El Paso the Sun Bowl and uh, it's a coach uh, we don't want to do it like we did in Dublin said, let's have our, we can have a curfew Friday night before the game. Thursday, if you think we should, you know, Friday night before the game. The rest of the time, you know, we're on our own. And guys are going to be responsible enough not to get in trouble. And when they show up for practice, they're going to be ready to practice. They're going to be at meetings. They're going to be where they're supposed to be. And for the most part, we did. No one got in any trouble. Now, I'll tell you, when I was standing in front of the defensive huddle for some of those practices, it was kind of tough to take the odors that were coming from some of the guys that had been out too late but no one got me in any trouble we had a really good time in el paso uh and we played a pre- we you know we played a pretty good game we didn't beat ourselves unlike uh the other losses that we had that season we just it just wasn't our day
1: yeah we had a pretty similar conversation with coach ellerson um uh, for our bowl game as far as like harry right, so What are we doing what do you guys want you guys are in. and he gave it to us he gave it to his captains he said okay you guys are in charge of curfew um uh, for the week um 10 o'clock will be the curfew uh the night before the game um so we just said i think we were there for four four nights so the first two nights were free for all uh the third night i think we said 11 or midnight it was like let's let's not it's not go all night two days before the, two days before the game, but uh, we'll still, you know, we can still do midnight. Um, and uh, then, the, you know, he had to stay on the last game, which uh, we actually switched hotels too. So, well, we practiced at one stadium. I think it was like a high school stadium or something. Um, and then we transferred to hotels to kind of reset for the day before the game. So I thought that was a smart move as well to kind of like get everybody dialed back in. Um, but yeah, no, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's one of the, it's weird because, you know, I was pretty, my senior year, I was taking myself a little too seriously in the beginning where, you know, I, I changed my diet up. Um, you know, I was like, all right, I'm not drinking this, this season. you know, I took almost, almost too serious. And I was playing a little too tight the first couple of games against Eastern Michigan and, and and Duke. Um, and then once, you know, I talked to my buddies and like, Steve, you're doing, you, you never used to be like this. And that's not how, that's not how you are. You know, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself or don't change the way you prepare. Um, and then I just started kind of, you know, enjoying my senior season. I started playing better. So it's, it's kind of weird how that kind of, you know, that, that, that double-edged sword of preparation and business trip first, yeah. just getting after it and, you know, playing loose, you know, finding that balance.
2: It's funny you say that I've got a story about playing tight as well. Um, came out of the spring of my sophomore season and finally worked my way up the depth chart and found myself starting as a junior and, uh, I remember Coach Young, we were at the hotel before the game and he had this ritual where we, all the team would take a morning walk, um, before we got on the buses and at the end of the walk, he pulled me aside and tried to give me a pep talk about starting. you know, side note, uh, we came back uh, is, uh, 10 years at, afterwards, after we graduated, because uh, uh, Coach Young was being inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. And so we had, you know, after, after a game of Army, um, we had a, a banquet for him uh, to celebrate him going into the College Football Hall of Fame. I, and I had a few words to say to represent our class. And afterwards, Coach uh, Coach Young or JY, as we you called him, got up and talked to He goes, "You know, Lee, I wanted to cut you, <laughs> but other coaches talked me out of it." And I was like, "Shit!" I knew I was I knew I was low on the chart, but I'm glad I didn't know that then. Uh, but anyway, so we were playing uh, Holy Cross at first game of the season, and they had this guy that went both ways uh, called Gordy Lockbaum and some folks might remember him he was on cover of sports illustrated he was being touted as a heisman trophy candidate and uh anyway i was playing tight i was playing like crap and uh and there was one play it, it was a they were it was past the quarterback dropped back and he was rolling out and i was dropping back on my zone and he started coming up towards the line of scrimmage and i started coming out of my zone to go up and Lockbaum came in ear hold me and it just laid me out horizontal, right on Holy across the sideline. And it was all I could do to get up and walk and find the correct correction to go uh, back towards our sideline. Fortunately, uh, someone else made the tackle and it was fourth down, but I was able to make it back to the sideline. And uh, I went from playing tight and not very well to just not playing very well. And as a result of that, I got benched for the next game against Kansas State. However, I had a teammate and another linebacker that missed the inspection uh, when we were leaving to, to get on the buses to go to Kansas State. And uh, Coach Young was not happy about him missing the inspection. And we got after we got to Manhattan, Kansas and got to the hotel, he announced that this guy wasn't, this guy was a starting linebacker. He's like, he's not starting today. And so I thought, shit, maybe I'm <laughs> getting start after all, and I did. <laughs> and I played loose. Played, yeah, you know, I played I played loose from there on. Yeah, on and, and uh you know, end up starting every game my junior and senior seasons. Uh, but I don't know uh, if I w- what would have happened if I if if like if that guy hadn't missed that inspection. Who knows if I would ever sell the field again? Yeah.
1: Now, Troy, uh, were you uh, close at all with? Uh bill lynch during that oh, yeah. time yes yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah billy was billy was another prepster yeah yeah I are still good friends yeah billy the, and
1: so uh colonel lynch as i remember him was our was our like uh like operations officer for yeah. the football team while i played so a uh, huge yeah. mentor um you know him and colonel gene polka were just huge mentors uh of mine while i was at the academy yeah Talk about saving me from myself.
2: It was Captain Polka for me when I was there. Was he, was he still teaching geography for you?
1: Yeah, he was the head of
2: the geography department. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he was Colonel Gene Polka uh, at the time. But um, those two guys, uh, and then Major Chad Bagley, um, who ended up continuing. I think he's still at the academy. He's the golf coach now. I think. Um. You know, those guys just saved me for myself. I don't know if you had any mentors other than football coaches, like Army officers you looked up to while you were there. But, you know, we had, you know, Colonel King now, um, who was Major King, and then Colonel Palka and, and, and Lieutenant Colonel Lynch were like huge in my development as a cadet into an officer. And then as, you know, how like you know, Colonel Palka gave us a sheet of being a, um, uh, a leader of leaders, right? Because that's what you are at at West Point, especially on the football team. Most of those guys are going to go out and do great things in the army as as future leaders. So, how do you you know how do you maintain accountability and and you know how do you keep guys you know who how do you keep your peers who know your your deepest and darkest secrets and you now and know how you act you know in your free time. You know how do you make sure they, they stay in line and keep accountable? So those guys were were huge in uh, my development as as a peer leader, and then as a as a leader on the the football team. So uh, I had to I had to throw out Colonel Lynch there uh, for you. I, I I figured you guys were close. Uh, I just didn't know one hundred percent.
2: Yeah, we were in the same company. We were only about three doors down from each other right at the prep school. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, to your question, the Captain Paulka was one of them for me uh, when, I was, when I was at the academy. And um, then Colonel Tex Turner, who was in charge of uh, DMI, uh, was another one, and Colonel Luchoka, yeah. Um, those, the three of those were mentors, and probably number one on that list was Captain Parker. Yeah, he's, he, he helped keep things in perspective for me. Yeah, it kind of it. It's
1: kind of funny how, uh, you know, you talk about after you know you're talking, what thirty something years, um, from your last game, and the ones that are sticking with you are, the ones you wished you had back, um, you know, and I immediately think of like Notre Dame, you know, how we, how we botched that at Yankee Stadium with with errors, you know, self inflicted pains, and you know, I just sit here as as I'm listening, I'm just like, man. I know that's going to be me because that's just kind of how we're wired, right? You know, of, of constant improvement and, and the things that kind of stick with you. Uh, I, can,
2: I can still remember the Wake Forest game, uh, Steve, dropping back in my zone and saw the guy running square and turn around and boom, and the football hits me right in the chest and falls up to the ground. Those are things I remember. I don't remember my interceptions. I remember <laughs> it hitting me in the chest and falling to the ground. Right. But I do remember my interceptions. But I really really think
1: what hit me in the chest. Oh, man. Well, Troy, if you want to kind of – you know, you kind of mentioned it, and I kind of uh, got us off target. So you're talking about at the bowl game, right? And you're you're kind of talking about how the way you guys are going to do business. And then how did – you know, I know you didn't get the result, but how did you guys feel like you played in the Sun Bowl? And how did you think the preparation was? And, you know, because – I guess, what, 1980, were you on the, were you just coming in for the
2: 1985? Uh, yeah. We, so, were you? So, I was at the prep school, the 84-85 season. Okay. So, it was, yeah. So, I was there All for 85-86 right. um, when they went to the Peach Bowl. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, you know, the the thing that we had to kind of navigate was because it had been since 1996 since army had went to a bowl there wasn't a lot of recent evidence on how we were going to kind of approach this right so but we knew right this was the first of many so we wanted to get it right um you guys on the other hand you guys have had success you know you have a veteran coach you know that's that's you know obviously you know one of the greats so um, just kind of interested how that conversation went, and then how he kind of let you guys run the show, and then how you guys played in that in that bowl game.
2: Yeah, we, you know, we Army had been that was the third bowl game in five seasons, uh, and of course, Coach Young had been to bowl games, you know, his previous stops too. So he had, you know, he, he had a good framework um, for how things should be laid out, and we we followed that. We felt to your question, we all, I think we all felt like we played well um that game um it was so close uh and no one, you know no one really gave us much of a shot uh, against Alabama um but I felt I you know I remember at the end of that game feeling like we had laid it all out there yeah. and you know I, you know one of our one of our teammates and classmates I know he, uh, he felt bad for a while he was he was the right tackle, you know, that that gave up those uh, those field goal blocks. Uh, but shoot, you know, it, it's a team game. There are other guys there that could have could have got a hand on on Thomas, but he was uh, all pro. Um, I just remember at the end of that game thinking, that's the last time they're ever going to play football. Yeah, and uh, a lot of mixed emotions about it it was weird. Uh, I know this isn't told your question, but I think about that bowl game it, it was a really uh, weird feeling at the time because it was, is almost, there was a sense of sadness, but almost a sense of relief too. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it just hits uh, football players different times based off the of winner loss as your last game. Right. So, mine wasn't until the next day when I got back on a flight after the bowl game, when I'm like, man, I'm, that's it. That's it. No more army football. You know, I'm just an, you know, I'm just a cadet now. Like I need to, you know, I need to figure out what's next. Like, what's my next, what's my next goal? What's my next mission get back after it, you know? And I know, uh, you know, um, after our loss against Navy, you know, I felt like, Man, I just never beat Navy in my entire career.
2: And i, I felt I felt for those teams, man. I can't imagine. It's it's enough of a suck going through four years at West Point as it is. It would be a whole another level of suck. I mean, not beat Navy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I went zero and eight. Man, never beat Air Force. Never beat a Navy. Just uh, just like one of the just it's like man, not not really. A, you know, at the time, I mean, they were just you know you know, we were going through transition after transition with coach and system. And it was a lot, there's a lot of reasons why, um, but it doesn't take it, you know, it never, never helps. Right. Um, so, but yeah, no, I just, I just would, uh, you know, it's nice that, uh, that you guys kind of, um. we're able to feel that way, you know, I mean, for, God, for crying out loud, uh, you know, were you the last army team to play Alabama? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the stat on that. You know, that I rely on South for that kind of information. Yeah, I think so. I think,
2: so. yeah, think we've all been since you know, yeah. In Independence Bowl,
1: but. yeah, but I mean, you know, we're talking about, you know, arguably the best college football team, you know, college program mm-hmm. of, of all time, you know, and yeah. that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, that's still a really awesome story that you guys get to share and um, get to pass along throughout time.
2: That's I, I, I told Sal this when I spoke with him earlier. Um, one of my lasting memories from that bowl game is Derek Thomas was the defensive captain for Alabama. and So, you know, during bowl week, you're going to a lot of different functions together. And I remember sitting at this dinner, I think it was a, a Thursday before the game, and Roger Staubach was talking uh, to the at the banquet. But I was sitting next to Derek Thomas and uh, said, you know, Derek, I said, a year from now, you're going to be a millionaire and I'm going to be freezing my ass in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> He's What's like, that? what are you talking about? I said, you don't have any idea, do you? Yeah. So said, man, all the scene is we're going out in the army. Yeah. Said, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Was,
0: no. was there that mutual respect there, Troy, when uh, you guys were talking? Yeah, 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 there certainly
2: was. Yeah, I think there certainly was. He, 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 was, a, he was a good man. Yeah, I, I,
1: I you know, talking to other uh, other captains, um, you know, just like our whole game, doing the thing, I think there are there's a. Uh, a mutual respect but there's a an ignorance about it because they don't really you don't they don't really know right like it's just like yeah you, they only know about you know going into the army and serving from what they've seen or you know maybe some of those guys have fathers or, or mothers that have served and they have a little more uh understanding and appreciation but i always got the you know you know other than you know being told I'm going to die in Iraq next year, uh, you know, which was always the, 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 famous trash talk, right. Of, of my time. Um, I always, always felt like they always respected what we did. Um, but they just, they, they don't really understand exactly what we're about to do kind of deal. Um, and, I mean, that, and that's just, that's a very general statement. I'm sure some did, but that's just kind of how I felt.
2: I know we always heard from, from other teams that, that, the Army game was always our hardest-hitting game. I remember years later when I was in Indianapolis and, and Coach Robertson was coaching with the Colts at the time, and they had an offensive lineman on the team who was from Boston College. And we met for we met for lunch one day, and I can't remember. BC's linemen were always huge. I mean, it was a wall. They were all like yeah. six six at least, you know, three hundred pounds. And and uh, he's like, man, I hated playing you guys. Because you guys, you guys always played so hard. And uh, I said, I didn't mind playing you guys because you guys as big as you were, you'd never come out and hit us, but I couldn't see around you. You're so yeah. damn big.
1: Yeah, I, I remember uh, Boston College offensive line, Iowa State uh, and Notre Dame. Those were like lines where I was like, if it was a pass, I was like, oh. I'm supposed to be reading the quarterback's eyes. I can't see a damn thing. <laughs> I got yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna run. I'm just gonna run around to the
0: closest receiver. Yeah, yeah. For sure.
1: for so, sure.
0: well, Troy, but, what? Uh, go ahead, so No, you're good. You're, I think you were going where I was going to so. say.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna ask Troy. What, so you know, we talked about your 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 football season as a cadet. You, you know, you find out your branch night. You know. Where you're going, you are going? Did everybody go to Germany for some kind of training is what you alluded to? Or is that just no, where I you?
2: just, I, I just, I just knew, I already knew I was going to be field artillery and I was going to Germany. I, I wanted, yeah. I wanted to go to Germany. Nice. Uh, and fortunately, you know, I didn't have many choices, many options when it came down to it, but fortunately, I, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it's in Germany and, and then, uh went down to the first off war in that first wave and and, and i remember actually i was with eighth id at the time as a, a fire support officer and i was forward deployed with my maneuver unit uh, in germany um and my artillery battalion got called to go to desert storm as a, as a general support battalion and so i was stuck down in Mannheim, germany as a redheaded stepchild in an infantry yeah. unit, I'm like, this is going to be fun. I know I'm going to be pulling a lot of officers the day duty stuff here, and so I went to my uh, battalion fire support officer said, "Hey, are there any units out there that are that are going that are short artillery lieutenants?" And so I signed me up, and he called me two days later. Thanks, as actually I remember, it was on Thanksgiving night and he called me and said, "Hey." you're going to 3rd Armored Division, you know, report, can you can you be up, uh, can you be up there tomorrow? Sure. Went up there the next day, and uh, then uh, we flew, we flew then to uh, Saudi Arabia a couple of days before Christmas. And so, went down there as a fire direction officer, Steve, and, and got back to Germany, and got back to my original unit, and it's a 10 liter in, in XO, and just, like you know, I'm not sure that this is what I want to do. This is what I want to make a career out of. Uh, so things were going well, but at the time, man, you know, you know, my first, my first couple years uh, in the army, I, I was in the field training or deployed like 20 out of 24 months. And uh, so, so I'm not sure if this is what I want to do. And um, then I got a letter from the Department of Army saying, hey, your officer your group and we're going to thin it out. If you, whoever wants to get out can essentially get out with no commitment, just be in the independent ready reserve um, and you can resign your commission. I thought, well, at the time, I don't have to get out. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get pushed out, but I'm not going to get out without a job. And then, um, within, within I like, it seemed like a week or two, um, I got a a letter in the mail from uh, a company I never heard of before, Edward E. Jones and Company. And they were essentially having a a job fair in Frankfurt. They came over and put on a little recruiting fair and and asked me to interview. Uh, I went there on a Saturday and they asked me to come back on Sunday and interview. I interviewed and they said, hey, the job is yours if you want it. I was like, whoa, hold on. I haven't sold anything since I was in Little League. I know nothing about this business. And uh, sorry if you could, and I'd like to go home over the holidays and visit some of your offices and talk it over with my family. So take your time. And I did. And, you know, I still, as I started off earlier saying, you know, I'm just a cocky high school athlete. Well, I still had a lot of cocky athletes in me, I guess, because, you know, I'm sitting <laughs> across the desk looking at these, these these advisors, thinking, there's nothing special about these guys. What the hell? They can do it. I can do it. Now, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so, I called them up and they said, yeah, the office stands. And so I went back and signed my commission and, and ended up getting out. And uh, that was in January and, and was out processed in July. Went to work for Edward Jones then in July of 92 and worked for them for almost 30 years. And was a uh, advisor with them in Indianapolis for 25 years. and was in leadership there for a while and then about five years ago they uh, asked me to take on more leadership and i saw i stopped being a financial advisor and moved out here to tempe their western headquarters and uh, was uh had was in charge of several western states out here about 1600 advisors and uh then in april of last year just had had enough and decided that was it so we tried retirement here for a while, but retiring in the pandemic, kind of tough. And so uh, a couple months ago, my wife said, you don't have to go back to work, but you got to get the hell out of the house. <laughs> 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 and so uh, I don't golf, so I need to get some hobbies. Um, and so anyway, I, I uh, put my name out there and, and uh, I, what's it there uh about six weeks ago, just went back to work and uh, working at Charles Schwab and, and, and loving it. Don't have any leadership responsibilities, and so we'll, we'll give that a try for a while.
1: That's that is uh, that's hilarious. So my my current job, I'm an I'm an advisor for the new uh, SBAF right now in Fort Carson, and my unit's over in Europe right now, um, and they get back this month, and uh, my wife said the same thing while I've been on Rear D. She's like, "You need to find a- your home, so, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So so Steve, you you chose podcasting, right? You chose podcasting.
1: podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, I chose podcasting. That's right. So But, Troy, I really uh really appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Uh it's kind of it, you know, out of everything you said, I still think it's funny you worked for a company for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Decide to retire, and then you're like, all right, well, I gotta get back to work. So, that's <laughs> well, it's, it's,
2: it's a nice feeling not having to, but it's also, you know, I thought, you know, I'm not that old. My brain's gonna turn to mush, man. I yeah. and uh, wanna stay current. And so, I'm enjoying it. I gotta work with a great group of people. It's awesome.
1: Well, really do appreciate you coming on and taking the time to, to tell your story. I, I you know, the more I do this, the the more I look back at the, the previous years and, and learn more and more about the culture and, and just what it was like to be an Army football player in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Um, and it's just cool, you know, y- you mentioned it on here again. We love hearing our, our constant theme of, of the brotherhood and you still talking about two of your best friends, you know, Colonel Lynch too, three of your, three of your guys from day one that um, – you know, you still keep in touch with today. So um,
2: really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story, Troy. Uh, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Al. I appreciate you guys and all that you're doing um, with, uh, you know, keeping this thing going and, and creating the conversation and, and bringing generations of Army football together.
0: No doubt. And uh, you know what, I, I'll say, Troy, your humbleness, right? We didn't even talk about your senior season and the amount of tackles you had your senior season, that second all-time – in army history. And when I mentioned the number to Steve, Steve liked a double take 161 tackles your senior year. Yeah.
1: That's an, that's, that's an insane amount. That's, uh, that's incredible.
0: Yeah. We, we really appreciate it. Um, guys, if you were watching the, our podcast, check out our YouTube channel. That's where we have our archive podcast. We just, the season preview uh, with Connor Crean of Barstool Sports, uh, Brendan in New Jersey, and James from Asper for Football, breaking down the season last night. Check it out. Uh, Connor Crean, man, that dude's passionate. You know, Connor's very passionate about Army football. 13-0, and he has them this season, guys. So, uh Uh, We'll see what happens on Saturday night in in Conway, South Carolina, against Coastal Carolina opener. Um, I plan on being down there for the game. I plan on providing some coverage all over our platforms. Check out Black Knight Nation on Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and also check out my personal pages on um, uh, Twitter and Facebook, and you'll find a lot of content. Uh, Steve, uh, my one problem is going to be with the whole trip is – um teetering on, do I go as a fan or do I go as a reporter? You know, do I want to sit in the stands or do I want to sit in the press box? But my wife tells me we have first row seats on the Coastal Carolina sideline, So I think I'm going to do the fan thing for the first half and see how it goes. So.
1: Yeah, I, I think that'll also give you an interesting perspective of, you know, what everybody's going through, right, as a fan, you know, perspective. So it'll
2: be good. It'll be good. No doubt. As you advise Sal, I tell you, take it as a job and you can ride off the travel expenses.
0: <laughs> right absolutely absolutely yeah we really appreciate it Troy thanks so much and uh, guys uh, like I said check out our check out our YouTube page check out our Blackout nation website. Um, just the depth chart was released today for Army and we have a couple guys that have seven guys that are gonna make their first start um, against coastal Carolina on Saturday and one of them is a sophomore named uh, Calvin Crumby. He's uh, kind of replacing Eric Smith, so that's it. just check that out. And, um, yeah, we'll be back with another edition of the Black Knight podcast soon. And, uh, Troy, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much.
2: Yeah, thank you. Beat Coastal Carolina. Yeah, beat them.